handle the truth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. Thomas Freeme TV and podcast show with Thursday Night Get Right. Demetrius Knuckleseal, Thomas Freeme coming to you. Absolutely. And uh, we coming to you live and direct in your face with the truth. And we encourage anyone who has a question to please chime in, log in, text, whatever you have to do. Ask us the question, and if we have the answer, we're going to answer the question. Other than that, we ask that you uh, definitely log into the page and, and like the podcast, subscribe to it, and do what's necessary so you can be informed on topics that, that are in, hot topics of today that are in the news that we discuss on every Thursday, but every single day, but specifically every Thursday on, on this uh, Thursday night, get right. Thursday night, get right. TNGR. So, um, amen. Blessings. And and uh, today's show is going to be about blessings. We're going to be talking about empathy. And today is a day of empathy here in America. Um, I don't know how many ha- have been conscious of that today, but we are going to um, just be showing things that, that we're, we're empathetic for. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, let me start off. Let me kick it off. I'm going to show you guys a video, right? This video is a TikTok video. Um, I ran across this earlier in the week. I made a comment that, you know, and it, it's been going crazy on, on this, this gentleman's page. I mean, I actually reached out to him. He's a judge. So I, I reached out to him to try to uh, maybe get him on the show one night. That'd be That'd be pretty good. But let me go ahead and switch over and show you guys this video real quick thirty-seven years of my life. Thirty-seven years? You ever seen the movie The Town? I have not. Well that movie's about me. That watch the movie. Ben Affleck plays me in the movie. Tickets. I don't know how I got it. They just showed up in the mailbox. Imagine that. Somebody huh? somebody put three tickets in his mailbox and expects to carry again. After he ran the red lights. Yeah, I, I get that. What are you well, talking I work for a produce company. Get, get, close, get close to the mic, please. I work for a produce company, and uh, sometimes I'm late getting to work or trying to get to work, so sometimes you know, maybe that has to do with it. What do you do? You deliver produce? Yeah, but I ain't getting no hours right now with this corona. We only get 20, I only get 20 hours a week. All the drivers get like 20 hours. What do you do with your markets? I was in prison 30 years. This guy gave me a job when I got out. I was in federal prison for 30 years. He gave me a job two years ago. I've been out, out two years. You, you've been out of prison for two years? I was in federal prison for 30 years for bank robbery. This guy gave me a job. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing, work, you know what I mean? But it's hard with this corona. You ain't getting no hours. You can't you're barely paying the rent right now. Have you made up your mind that you're not going back? No, I'm not going back to prison. I've been in prison over 37 years of my life. 37 years? Yeah, I was in state prison for seven years, too. But I was in federal prison for 31 years. You ever seen the movie The Town? I have not. Well, that movie's about me. They watched the movie. Ben Affleck plays me in the movie. Tell me about it. That's a true story. Tell me, tell me, tell me what the movie's about. It's about guys out of Charlestown, Boston, who rob banks and armored trucks. But you're going to arrest them, huh? 
Well, I used to have a lot of money. Now I'm broke. I got to work for a living. You don't make much money. Well, you made a lot of money because you were robbing banks. I used to have a lot of money. I realized. When I got busted, I had a half a million dollars in my refrigerator. In your refrigerator? Yeah. Half a million bucks. I have 500,000 in my refrigerator. I used to keep it in milk containers. <laughs> That's the truth. I swear to God. What happened to that money? They took all that money, man. With the feds? Yeah. Well, it didn't belong to you. It's the money you stole for the bank. It doesn't matter. It was all free, it was all free money, you know what I mean? What's the biggest score you made robbing a bank? Four or five hundred thousand. Really? Yeah? Yeah. Well, now I know why you were in jail for 30 years. I went to prison for robbing a bank in Cranston and had the highest, largest police chase in Rhode Island history. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's they, true, too. Were, were they chasing you on foot or in a car? In a car. Oh. They caught you? Yeah, they captured us near the Connecticut border in 95. Well, they caught you. They, they crashed our car. That's how we got caught. He was, was a crazy he was, time back then. He was a good bank robber. He was a terrible driver. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to charge you 150 bucks. But uh, what I'm going to do is, again, I'm going to repeat that I get donations from all over the country. You get what? I get donations from all over the country. People yeah. making, oh, that's good. People do that. Making contributions for me to use if I think someone deserves a break. I'm proud of you because you've turned your life around. Right? And I think you're going to continue to do it. So I'm going to charge you 150 and what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a $150 check from Chuck Shaheen, who's the former mayor of... Charleston, Mass. No. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. No, Charleston no, no, no. ain't like it used to be. Warner Robbins in Georgia. And he actually appointed judges who he wanted to be fair and firm. So he wants me to use... Here's 150 to help someone who I think needs a break. That's pretty good. You need a break. Tell them I appreciate it. Good looking out. Well, good luck to you. No, I'm not going back to prison. I've been in prison over 37 years. So, you know, that with, with that right there, this is an individual who came home and, and uh, my comment on that was, you know, here Ben Affleck makes tens and millions of dollars for portraying to be a bank robber and yet the bank robber is broke. Make it make sense. And that comment has already gotten over like 1,200 likes on this man's page. And I think there's over 100 comments of people saying... Well, one is an actor, which is a legitimate job, and one is uh, a criminal, and that criminal should not get paid for their crimes. So my day of empathy uh, goes out to this gentleman here. I will play the second part of this video at the end of the show um, as to why I'm empathetic for him, but I will tell you that he does end up going back to prison for bank robbery again. And the heartbreak in that is because I, I see this man in a way that hardly anybody else sees him. I see this man in a way that I'm sure Demetrius sees him or any other that have spent that amount of time in prison that is now home trying to do the right thing. You heard, you heard the man's voice when he said that he's never going back to prison. He's been in prison for 37 years. He's never going back. 
and yet he's back. Hmm. And I understand this. And there's there's a point in there where I, you know I, I can only um I can only imagine what his thoughts were, but I'm pretty sure that I'm in line with them. When the judge said he's proud of him, I'm proud of you for changing your life and and doing this. He kind of cringed at that. And I think like most of us, you know, uh, Larry and I have talked about these things and and I've talked about these things with so many other individuals that the last thing that we kind of want to hear really is is another human being telling us that they're proud of us for changing our lives or whatever. But more along the lines as to uh, helping. If you're if you're proud of us. Right. You show us that through your actions by making sure that we don't go back to prison, by making sure that when people are closing doors in our face, you're there to help open them with us right. and things of that nature. Ben Affleck made millions and millions off this off this movie. And this man went back to prison for robbing a bank, I think, for eight hundred and something dollars. And he ended up telling, I believe, uh, in the article that I was reading. <clears throat> He told the teller that if if he didn't give him the money, he was going to kill him. You know, so this is almost like a sense where, you know what, I'm just going to go back and finish my time in prison ordeal. That's amazing, man. Uh, But that's the part that really caught my ear is when the judge said, uh, judge says something. He said, I'm never going back to prison. He said, I'm never going back to prison. I served 37 years in prison. He said, yeah, I served seven in the state and 30 in the feds. And, you know, the empathy come in is is being able to understand and share what that man's feelings are, you know, because here's a man that he's already up in age, as you can see. He has a, you know, he done told the story of his history of robbing banks. He robbed the bank one time for 500 thousand dollars and he's he said but i'm broke now he said he used to put money in milk cartons in a refrigerator and he's broke now and what is the irony in it where's the empathy in it when you could find it in you to see that this man is trying to change his life and and, and like thomas just said don't never be proud of me if you are in a position to provide resources to help me stay in a position where you can be proud of me. Don't be proud of me in a moment. Put me in a position to be proud of me forever because that's what I, that's what we seek. We don't we don't seek like when we are, we come out of prison and we looking for a job, we're not looking for a job for that day. We're looking for a job that's going to sustain us and help us to keep a schedule in our mind because when we got a schedule in our mind, responsibilities in our mind, that keeps us away from the BS. That keeps the devil off us. Hmm. And so, again, don't be proud of me for today, but forget about me tomorrow. Be proud of me so much today that you provide the resources so I can see tomorrow and you can be proud of me tomorrow, too. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the only, I'm sitting here listening to you, you know, and the only thing I'm thinking about is, who, who would be the one person that I would want to hear those words from? You know what I mean? And, and, and the only person that comes to my mind would be my daughter. 
The only one that would really strike anything on me from hearing them words is my daughter coming in and saying, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you. And yeah. I mean, that, that chokes me up now, you know what I mean? Because I, I wait on that. And I hear that from everybody else but the one that really matters, you know, but that's, that's the irony of life. But we have a question from my father. My father asked, did he make any money off the film? No, he did not, Father. And the reason why is because federal inmates are not allowed to make a penny of, of anything off their crime. And, and that's what I want to get into a little bit, you know, concerning this comment that I made it, you know, made on the judge's site and whatnot, because people really don't understand the depth of what it was that I said. Of course, the guy is a criminal, you know, and he don't deserve the money that he stole. And, and Ben Affleck is a, is a legitimate actor making millions of dollars. We get that. That's common sense. That's top layer. But would, would Ben Affleck have made that movie, The Town, without this person's story if this person did not commit this crime? So we delve into, this is where we get into where Hollywood really has an influence over the mass because we love we love violence, we love gore, we love violence, we love to watch the bank robbery. We just don't love the bank robber. He should be punished for a very, very long time, 30, 37 years, mm. right? And how does our children decipher that, Demetrius? How does our children de decipher the, 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 the excitement that they see adults that you know have for this violence and this gangster lifestyle and this shoot 'em up get 'em up western you know gung ho type of lifestyle that that looks so appealing because that's what America wants to see in the movies but yet when our children go out there and do that we shun them we we give them life sentences so uh Boston, Boston Billy he got that thought of robbing a bank from somewhere. And he became a guy, became known for robbing banks. While he's becoming known for robbing banks and being labeled a criminal and being sent to prison, someone else is looking at the story to make money off the story. Now, let me ask you this. This is a rhetorical question. Let me ask you this. Do you think that it's all right for people to make money off my pain without even accommodating me at all because it was my pain that you made money off of? So for here's a per, here's a perfect example. You take Big Meech for example. BMF. That's about black mafia family Big Meech and so on and so forth. His son plays him right now. That's how he's getting paid by them telling his story. Because otherwise, they're making money off what they allege to be his criminal activity. But in his situation, the idea was so shrewd that his son is playing him now. So it is money coming back to the family for his alleged criminal activity. But and that should happen in every case because there's no way possible. I, I'm a juvenile lifer myself. It's people who have made millions of dollars off us. Millions of dollars off us. 
of our criminal behavior as juvenile lifers. And you, you know what we did? We, st we start our own organization and we say, we want in. We gonna, if anybody gonna make money off the story of my life, it should be us. Absolutely. Because, because and, and this man, this man went back to prison because this was a cry for help in the, in the courtroom. That was a cry for help. That was because a cry for help. We don't see the whole clip, but never once did we hear the judge ask him, how was he doing? Uh, how are you surviving out here? Uh, what you doing for yourself? Can I would like to provide you some resources. Never once, man. But when the guy say brought up uh, being Affleck, and he brought up the fact that we ain't, we ain't got to say being Affleck rich because we know what being Affleck. And then he brought up himself being broke. That was the call. That was the cry out to say, man, I need help. I'm not asking to be rich. I'm just asking to be able to sustain myself out here because I just served 37 years. And <clears throat> you're spot on with that and the atrocity in that again in itself is at the end of the day, yes, we all have our decisions to make in life. And yes, I'm curious as to how this guy did his 37 years. Of course, he's a bank robber. That's a violent charge. So he's in maximum security prisons, right? He did mention, um, I believe that comes in the second video about some of his, his incarceration. So again, like you know, these conversations that Demetrius and I have about how hard it is to rehabilitate yourself, especially in a maximum security prison when you're dealing, when you're just trying to really survive. Who the hell is, is thinking about reading a book and trying to better yourself when you have to take a homeboy with you to the shower, to stand outside of the shower so you can wash, right? Or, or you could be killed. Right. So so when you're in these 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 types of environment, right, the 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 likelihood that you're programming and that you're bettering yourself is slim to none. And then these guys can never be reduced down into lower facilities because of their violent nature. So they're constantly denied to go to lower security facilities to where uh, they can maybe get some of these programs. Right. So there's never no self self bettering in these types of institutions, and then they're released out on the street, right? PTSD out the door, you know what I mean? Can't can't function in society, and everybody's shunning him, looking down on him, not giving him a shot once they find out who he is. The only thing that this guy had in his mind, which is so sad to me, D. Right. The only thing that this man had in his mind that he could hold himself proud of was the fact that they made a movie about his his life. That's it. Hmm. That's that's how sad that is in, the, in those moments right there. No money given. Just the fact that they made a movie about his life. Come and that's going to be his legacy till he goes. He's, he's probably telling that story. Every day. And then and then like I try to get these these individuals out here to understand again. Imagine that pressure. Imagine just picture yourself right now in your state, whether you're impoverished or not, you're broke, ain't got no money in your pocket. 
And yet there's somebody else out there who has millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for telling your story. But you're broke. You're eating mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's that's really my empathy, man. And that's why my empathy kind of goes into this individual in this particular time. Of course, all my, my innocence that are still incarcerated always override everything first and foremost. Um, so many blessings and prayers to all the men and women who know that they are sitting in prison innocent. And... um. And that's that's what that's what the day of empathy is is really about, in my opinion, is to think about somebody else besides yourself that's in a worse position than you, and and maybe you might be a little grateful about what you have around you versus complaining about it all the time, you know. I I, I was just reading something from my nephew posted some on Facebook. He said, "You can lose you can lose everything in front of you." just by paying too much attention to everything around you. Mm-hmm. You can lose everything in front of you just by paying too much attention to everything around you. Cause you looking like this, but it's right here. And that's why I say, when I heard, when I listened to that uh, TikTok, what I heard him saying was how I need help. Mm-hmm. But the judge was looking at everything around. He was looking at the bank robbery. How much did you have in the uh, refrigerator? So they made a movie about you. A beard, that black made a movie about you. And meanwhile, he's not even looking at what's right in front of him. A guy that's screaming out for help. And and that's just that's just uh, Boston Billy's uh, B- Boston Billy's story. But his story resonates with so many because. We don't we don't pay attention to people's stories, man. You know, we don't pay attention. When you miss out on the story, you miss out on the pain. You miss out on the call. You miss out on the opportunity to uh, lift somebody up from a dark place. That's, That's what right. the day of empathy is about, about second chances, giving somebody, helping somebody get that second chance, showing somebody that there is hope, showing somebody that there is an opportunity that awaits them. If only I can help you get up, stand up. I will help you. You can lean on me. You got my shoulder. You got my ear. Let's do this. That's what the dead empathy is about, man. That's that's it for me, you know, and, and, and I do it because at the end of the day, I believe in my father and I believe that I'm going to be judged in that fashion, you know, and, and, and when that question comes as to why, you know, why did you do that? You knew. You knew you could help that man that day. You had the money in your pocket. The man asked for $2. You had them $2 in your pocket that day. Yeah. And you even thought about giving it to him. But then you thought about that pack of gum that you wanted more. Why? So it's, it's, it's understanding in those moments, right, that we always hear this little voice in our head that tells us. It's like a little whisper. You know, as soon as we something comes into our cipher, we hear this little voice that directs us and guides us. But we always overcome a lot of these times until we learn to listen to that little voice. We overcome it. And true enough, a lot of life's instances trains us not to listen to that little voice. But at the end of the day, 
that little voice is there for a reason, and that little voice was put there for these tests, hmm. right? To test you. And that little voice is always going to be there telling you these things. And as you go through life and you learn, that little voice is always going to be there. I'm still here. And this is what you need to do. And then when you go on to do it, you, you know, you, you, these, these are the consequences that you have to face. And, and I guess I'm kind of in that sense, you know, I'll help anybody at this moment, but where, when do we stop helping? Like when, when is it that, you know, our, our help is being taken advantage of because of course, self-preservation in our time on earth is to me more precious than anything. Right. So it's when, when do we, when do we cut the, the, the ropes? Mm. I just had that conversation today, literally the very, I said, at some point I have to admit and own up to the fact and stop shying away from, you know, stop playing this, uh, you know, we be in denial, have to stop being in denial and say, I did all that I could do. I can't help anymore. I did all I could do. Because after a while, that help that you're offering begins to take a toll on you mm-hmm. because you've already overextended. A guy told me this in 1992 in prison. He said, when somebody tells you that they went out of their way for you, he said, because the system will tell us all the time, when you ask them for something, can I get this, making this request for that? They say, we already went out of our way to do this for you. He mm-hmm. said, he said, now the significance in them saying something like that is this here. When they say they're going out of their way, this meaning it wasn't in their way to do something nice for you. They went out of their way. So now we have to realize that at some point, our help, our help, we have to stop overextending ourselves because now we're going out of our way and sometimes i know a brother who went out of his way to the store one day with his friend and he was telling the story in prison he said and he didn't say out of his way but i'm using that term because it is identical on point he said he went to the store he told his girl he'll be back he went to the store he ain't come back for 30 years why because he went out of his way he overextended himself with his friend and they committed a robbery he went out of his way so sometimes you go out of your way it has some consequences or repercussions that damages you while the person that you was helping is smiling and hit the lottery and and going on trips and got nice cars and but you didn't went out your way you ain't got nothing because you went out of your way we have to get out of our own way get out of our own way take care of ourselves sure we got empathy on people especially people like us we got empathy on people for real because we know how it feels to be despondent feel like don't nobody care uh i'm by myself i'm homeless i'm hungry i'm i ain't got no money we know all of those emotions that go on in the mind man i'm thinking about robbing this place because i'm hungry we know this, we know how it feels. 
we know how I feel. I never use drugs, but I know how I feel to have a thought cross my mind and say, shoot, I might as well just use drugs. I mean, hey, everybody else. The thought didn't cross my mind, but I never, I never gave energy to it. So mm-hmm. when we talk of the day of empathy, man, we're talking about understanding the trials and tribulations that we as a people go through, particularly and specifically people returning citizens and guys who coming home because that's who need that's who need to be understood because we are so misunderstood that's who needs to be understood these guys who coming home who's crying out for help sometimes we don't know how to ask for help we just don't know how we never had to ask for help why because when we went in we was sticking up people selling drugs stealing cars breaking their house whatever we never had to ask. So now, 30 years later, I never had to ask for 30 years while I was in prison. Right. Everything was given. You got child, you got yard, you got this, you got that. Now you expecting, we got to listen for the, what they're not saying so we can accommodate them. See, and on that point right there, right, is that when, when we watch Boston Billy, right, and how you automatically was able to spot that this is a broken man asking for help like he's pleading for help we can spot that because we we know what that looks like but here you have a judge who in my opinion i believe um is is a truly empathetic man and a caring man and and we'll see that here in the second video but uh he does feel bad for these guys but he don't understand Right. Even at his intelligence level, because his school of learning is the criminal justice system. He don't understand why guys com- keep committing crime. Right. And and that is where we come in to try to explain to these guys that this is why we keep committing crime. So it's it's going through this cycle and, and being able to get to a point to where the judge listens to the criminal you know what i mean where we can sit all sit down at the table and and stop looking at me like you're proud of of how articulate i am coming out of prison and start listening to what i'm saying and letting that register that's the thing you have to let what i'm saying what demetrius is saying you have to let what we're saying override what these schools of knowledge has taught you Yes. And and they're not going to, I mean, you're talking about knocking down a, a steel-enforced wall. Yes. But at the end of the day, some walls was meant to be broken down because they was built up for the wrong reason in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that. these are the walls that we try to break down right now. The walls of uh, the lack of passion. The walls of misunderstanding the the walls of stigmatization the walls of apathy and not empathy hmm. you know we try a to lack of passion then you just say passion. then you just say 14 how many 14 people already dead in memphis prison yeah yeah in the last 12 months 14 people did and and about three weeks ago i did a, a quick little segment on um rikers island Already 13 dead at that point in wow. 2023 at Rikers. Wow. Lack of passion. 
lack of passion, man. I mean, it's like I told somebody today at the Day of Empathy in Lansing, it's a certain organization that I just cannot rock with. And they very well known. They get a lot of money to do a lot of work. I said, and he said, he said, why, why you can't rock with them? I said, because they place honor and uh, uh, grace on ego instead of placing dedication, hard work and dedication on the liberation of guys who are in prison. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they sacrificing the, the chance to get these guys some type of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. They sacrificing all that just to stroke their own ego. Mm-hmm. I can't get with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I I just I can't not my happiness is is intimately tied to the peace and happiness of everybody else. I can't be happy, man. I cannot be happy. I told somebody this today. I cannot be happy as a man, a guy who served 28 years in prison. I cannot be happy knowing that I left all of these guys back there who are even deserving, if not more deserving than I was for a second chance. That's not to say I can't be happy in life, but I'm saying I cannot, I cannot just come out here and say I'm straight. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I ain't reaching back. I can't do that. Well, I mean, that's exactly what I say when, when, it, when it comes to TV and sports and sitting down for a four-hour game to sit here and watch a, a four-hour football game and, and, and be entertained to the point to where my thoughts don't drift off to, man, I could be uh, taking emails. I could be counseling somebody right now. I could be doing something. You know what I mean? I can't because like you say, once you know something, you can't unknow it. This right. is the, to to me. This is the whole. This go. We, I mean, we we can get biblical with this. This gets all into what baptism is about: the coming into the knowing. And once you come into the knowing, you can't go back into the unknowing. You can't go back and say, "Well, God, I didn't know." Yes, you did. I I showed it to you. You knew. Once you know, you can't unknow it. This is why our our spiritual leaders of the world, right? And and some of the the you know the, the the most intelligent humans on the planet look so stressed and so serious because the more knowledge you have, the more serious you become, the more serious you understand that what life is and what is going on when we're talking about censorship, when we're talking about you know what's going on now in politics and and world takeover new world order and 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 all of this stuff that's going on this is all in the face of 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 bad chaos the devil these are biblical times that we're in and and the more times get serious if people really pay attention the more the distractions come from the devil the more the devil tries to distract you in every facet of your life the more you try to turn off your TV, the more this news is going to try to get to you from every angle. <laughs> People are going to be coming to you out of the wood. Man, did you hear about what happened? Man, you need to turn on the news. No, I don't need to turn on the news. You know, so th- these are these are serious times, man. And and 
And you're absolutely correct. The I, again, going back to what I said earlier, cannot go in front of my father and, and answer that question as to why, mm. you know? Now, of course, yeah, I, I, I'll put the game on for a quarter. I have it running in the background. You know what I mean? It's it's It doesn't have my full attention to where my right. children are drowning in the pool. You know what I mean? Or, or, or running out in front of traffic, you know, and, and, and just complete chaos, you know? So, um, I'm going to let you go and then I'm going to find this other video and then, and then play that for the viewer. Well, like, like I said, with my nephew posted, you know, you can lose everything in front of you by paying too much attention to everything around you, because the only thing that should matter to you in life, in my opinion, is what's before you. And what's before you is life. That's life. Life, it's all around you. We already know that. But if you just pay attention to the life that's sitting right in your face, because you're supposed to be walking forward towards something great, not walking sideways, not walking sideways or looking around. Pay attention to what's in front of us because what's in front of us is the person on the corner that needs your help, is the child that needs your protection, is the is the elder who needs your protection. That's what's in front of us. That's right. And what's in front of us? Attention to. What's in front of us is the truth. That's Everything right. that's in our peripherals and way out here is the devil. That's the lie. So when we see this homeless man in front of us, and we don't understand. Instead of us asking this homeless man, we go to these distractions over here. Hey, why is that man homeless? Oh, because he's a drug addict and he's yeah. lazy and he don't want to do nothing. Oh, fun. well, that makes sense. Hey, you get up and get a job. You know what I mean? Versus asking the man in front of you. Right. These are the conversations that I have with people when I Uber and they ask me these questions. And even with my father, my own father, you know, one day when he he had asked me about why black people commit so much crime. And, and I asked him, Dad, how many black people have you seen commit crime? Well, I see right. them. I see them all the time on TV. No, no, Dad. How many times have you personally with your own eyes in front of you? And his answer was, well, well never. That is the point. Right. How many times you could turn on the news and hear about people Again, I had this conversation with a guy I was taking to the airport the other day, D. Lived in Brooklyn his whole life. Lived in Brooklyn his whole life. He's going back to New York. He says, man, I've never heard so many stories about people being kicked in front of trains. I said, let me ask you something. I said, have you ever seen anybody getting kicked in front of a train? He's like, never. He says, I've been in Brooklyn for 47 years. I've never seen anybody. I said, this is my point. Mm -hmm. Because like you say, and, and to sum it up how you say, man, when I was 15, this is how life taught me that lesson. Early, to keep my eyes in front of me and always look around corners, look before I leap. Yeah. I was walking through the mall, man. Listen, I was walking through the mall and I saw the prettiest red bone I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I'm attached to her. I'm walking like this here and I'm looking at her. And then all of a sudden, bam, man, I walk <laughs> right into a sign. <laughs> You know how the mall had the big directories and all that? And that joker was loud. You know what I mean? I walked right into that thing and I was so embarrassed. But that's life. Hey, yeah. keep yeah. your eyes forward, son. Yeah.
<laughs> Let me go ahead and switch this on over and, and show the second part to Boston Billy Busted and, and, and give an idea of, of uh, who this judge is a little bit. probably robbed over 100 banks in my life, more than 100, maybe 150 banks. A while back, we had one of our most unforgettable characters pay us a visit. His name was William Sequeria, and he claimed a famous movie was made about him. You ever seen the movie The Town? I have not. Well, that movie's about me. Watch the movie. Ben Affleck plays me in the movie. Well, tell me what the movie's about. It's about guys out of Charlestown, Boston, who robbed banks and armored trucks. Well, I'm not sure that the town was actually based on William's life. But one thing I do know is that he was absolutely certain about one thing. Have you made up your mind that you're not going back? No, I'm not going back to prison. I've been in prison over 37 years of my life. 37 years? Yeah, I was in state prison for seven years too. But I was in federal prison for 31 years. Unfortunately, that all may have changed this week. He says Ben Affleck once played him in a movie. Now an admitted serial bank robber has been busted again in Boston. 59-year-old William Sequeira came before a judge on charges he recently robbed two banks in Boston and tried to rob a third. After nearly three years of freedom, it seems as if William, or Boston Billy as he prefers to be called, may have returned to his old ways. This is not a new story. 77% of released prisoners are rearrested within five years. And that's despite knowing how just awful prison life is. Nobody wants to go to the federal penitentiary. It's a very bad world in there. It's really violent, it's real serious, and it's not somewhere you want to go. There's, you ain't in penitentiary if you ain't violent. I had a lot of assaults, a lot of violence. I get stabbed up, I don't stab many guys. I got stab wounds all over me. I got scars everywhere. One of the greatest struggles faced by inmates upon their release from prison is finding gainful employment. I would like to encourage all employers to consider hiring the formerly incarcerated. It just makes sense. With so many businesses struggling to find workers, why not give them a chance? You will have the opportunity to transform lives, reunite families, and rebuild communities. There are several fine organizations that are dedicated to helping businesses connect with the formerly incarcerated. One of them is the Prison Entrepreneurship Program, PEP. I encourage you to check them out, as well as similar organizations that are devoted to reducing recidivism in the United States. I've probably robbed over 100 banks in my life, more than 100, maybe 150 banks. A while back, we had one of so uh billy went back to to prison you know and i i've i've heard this time and time again you know uh it it always brings back a story d that i had the privilege of being in the cell with an individual by the name of jersey joe jersey joe did 27 years for bank robbery that's what he was was a bank robber within that time he was getting out at, at 62 years old um, we all love Jersey Joe, man. We'd sit out there and play softball and, and, uh, he'd coach us and all this stuff. You know, he'd be coach of the softball teams and, and whatnot. But when his time came up, man, we were all advocating inside of the prison to try to get Joe halfway house because him being a bank robber labeled as a violent, 
a violent offender, he could not get halfway house. But this is a man that had no family, zero. The only thing that he had was his uncle when he went in and his uncle had died a couple years right before he had got out. So he was going home to no family. He had nothing, nowhere to go. And they're denying him halfway house, which means for the for the listener that halfway house, if you're not to, you know in tune with that, is is a program that we go to, which is is essentially a house that houses a certain amount of inmates that are coming out from prison back into the community where we can actually go get jobs in the community, and it's kind of a a stepping stone back into society without actually releasing us in. And we can kind of save money and such. That's the idea of of what a halfway house is. Now, if some are ran that way, is a different story. So they denied him of this, which means that he was leaving prison out of the door, out of the gate. Hey, sorry, here goes a hundred bucks. Good luck to you. Mm, mm, mm. I asked Joe, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? And his his only plan was to rob a bank, you know, and, and he said, if, if I can go in and, and rob a bank and get me 2,500 out of that bank, I can go buy me a small little work truck, a couple little tools, start me a landscaping business, some kind of way or whatnot. But this was, um, this was his plan, man, you know, and I, I don't know, we watched Jersey Joe leave and I've never heard nothing from him again. I what, what what stick out in my mind is when uh Judge Caprio Caprio said that seventy seven percent of 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 individuals who get out of prison reoffend within five years, and this is something that I really studied for when I studied law for twenty five years. But this is something that I really studied, and I talk about this with people nowadays. We have to stop buying into statistics. I didn't say the statistics is lying. I said we have to stop buying into it because what ends up happening is that we end up buying into it so much that we like, well, shoot. It already says 77%, so so what? No. Why don't we look at the 23%? If 77% is not even a number in Michigan, period, but it's a seven out of 10 instead of 70%. But why can't we strive to be the 23%? Why don't we buy into that idea? Because if, if a lot of us buy into the 23%, that 23% will expand to be 24, 25, 50%. And then, like, for example, right now, uh, juvenile lifers has the lowest recidivism rate across the United States. We have the lowest recidivism rate. Now, a lot of us been out going on five years. We have the lowest recidivism rate and one of the highest success rates. So why? Because a lot of us, we, we, we talk with one another. We network with one another. We always talk about not buying into the statistic. Don't indoctrinate or allow yourself to be indoctrinated with a statistic, a negative stigma. Don't live in that stigma. Live outside it. Because if we can get people to come outside the stigma, the stigma will have no more effect on us. That's right. 
and and see what it is that you're talking about is like the 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 77 is this out here yeah. it's this peripherals it's 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 this out here stuff that we were talking about earlier that is again taking your your focus away from what's in front of you right. and, and what's in front of you is the decisions that you have to make to stay away from the 77 percent. that's right man you know what i mean don't let this stuff affect you it didn't affect me it didn't affect demetrius and there's so many others that it didn't affect because we made a choice we made a choice that nothing is going to get in my way nothing Simple. Simple, nothing man. is going to get in my way I could care less what you say. I put a, a post out on Facebook today, the tip of the day. Stay stoned, right? Stay stoned. And what that means is when you're not stoned, that means you could be pushed in any direction. And like a feather in the wind, that wind will take you in any which way it wants to take you. But when you're stoned, nothing can penetrate you and nothing can move you. Not wind, not water, not rain, not, not fire. You're stoned. Be a stone and know that you're a stone and nothing can penetrate you. And what that means is it goes both ways. When somebody comes and they and they and they they um you know they 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 give you uh they give you credit, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they they give you praise, they they tell you how great you are and all these things. You glorify. don't glorify. You don't let that affect you, right? The same, you should not have let that affect you or alter your, your thought process the same as if that person came up and told you that you were the worst person on earth. You ignore <laughs> the glorification the same as you, you ignore the admonishment because it makes no difference. All of these things are, are traps to pull away your focus. Because now when I start listening to this person telling me how great I am, it starts pulling me this way. You know what I mean? And then this person will start pulling me this way. And next thing you know, I'm going like this all the time. So it's understanding that I'm Thomas. I'm Thomas Freeme. That's who I am. I appreciate your compliments and I appreciate your opinions, negative or whatever. I appreciate them. And, and when, when we start thinking like that, nothing can sway us. Nothing can sway us, D. I agree, you know, because I, I always say balance. I always talk about balance, man. And I always talk about being pulled in so many different directions because I'm literally, literally, as we speak, I've been being pulled in so many different directions, unable to get proper sleep, uh, and I just recently had to tell myself, I was, I was talking to someone today and I was telling them, I said, look, I'm done with keep going back to uh, going out of my way. I'm done with overextending myself, you know, tiring myself out, getting getting improper sleep, you know, to help somebody and only to see that person who you helping, not trying to help anyone else or only to see that person not, you know, sharing the blessings that's being bestowed upon them because a blessing is not yours till you give it away. And so I was just telling somebody that, man, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm sick. I'm tired. Literally. I mean, literally tired, brain tired, physically tired of 
extending so much of myself to this side and this side and doing like this because I find myself losing balance. And, mm-hmm. it, and one of the keys to life is, life is balance. But I can't, I can't gain balance by keep on doing this and letting people pull me in these different directions. So I agree with you, man. It's time that we recenter ourselves. And center means that you balanced. That's right. You're in the center, you are balanced. That's right. We have to recenter ourselves, man. You recenter yourselves and you you put those like on the side of the road, those lines, those guidelines yeah. where that that and those guidelines are there to keep you on the road. That's right. And you do not go outside of those lines. So when somebody comes and they ask you for help, cool, I can help you do that. But listen, if this don't go through, I can't help you pass this. That is you setting a guideline with somebody. And that's and that gives you an out. That 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 gives you you know, a reason to say no the next time when this person doesn't do as they said, right? Nah, you know, yeah. I told you I can't help you again this time. So this all really goes into that, into that, into that being aware of are you making emotional decisions or are you making critical decisions? What happened, D? Can you hear me? Allah is D. See if you reconnect. But this goes back into what I was saying about making emotional decisions versus conscious decisions. All of this surrounds being your best self. If somebody comes and asks you for help, are you just making an emotional decision when you say yes because you want this person to like you or you don't want to let this person down? Because as Demetrius has said earlier, that's going to lead to a road of hell. You know, so make sure you're make sure your decisions are conscious. And let me see if I can get D back in here. Let me hang up with him. Bomb. Let me see. Bomb. Yeah. Go. Yeah, power that went out. It's back yeah. on. You see it's on. Yeah, yeah, I see you now, yeah. but, but, um, so, uh, what I was sitting there saying, D, was, you know, the, the, the conscious decision versus the emotional decision, you know, making sure that when somebody comes and they asks you for help, that you're not, you're not making that emotional decision because you want this person to like you or you feel like you're going to let this person down and you, like you said earlier, overextend yourself, right? Yeah. But make sure that you're making a conscious, critical decision. Can I help now? And if so, how can I help? And and what am I willing to help with? Because what you said earlier, and, and is monumental for me, is there's nothing more precious than our time. Mm. And we start to respect that and understand that as we get older. So the last thing we want to do is waste anybody else's time when we know that it's so precious. So again, this goes into if you if you dedicate yourself, make sure you you're dedicating yourself to the amount of time that you can spare for your life because there's there's nothing more precious than that. You know, but that's Quran, that's all I got. In my Quran it says on our present choice depends our future happiness. Think about that. On your present choice 
depends your future happiness. This means that the choice that you make in this moment is going to be determinative of how you're going to be feeling the next moment or what can happen around. And a perfect example is I, when I was in Lansing today, uh, we was con was conversating and it was me and five other people. And one of my friends, he served 26 years before he was, before he was released, exonerated. And he's very aggressive. Nobody really understands his, his abolitionist mentality because he's so aggressive, right? But he always is mindful of his present choice. His, his future happiness depended on his present choice. So his words were sharp and cutting certain people at the table. But he was just telling the truth of how he felt. He didn't say, you have to feel how I feel. He just telling how he felt. And so I think about that because he knew that one misplaced word can change the structure of a sentence. And if you change the structure of a sentence, it can cause some deep-seated emotions, right? But he's, he's very crafty. He's articulate. So he chose his words carefully because he knew on his present choice would depend his future happiness. He might say the wrong word and then they say something and now he got to defend himself. So we always got to be mindful of words save, create, and destroy. We have to be mindful of that. But, but even more than that, we have to be mindful that on your present choice, how you decide a particular situation in this moment that is going to determine how the next moment is lived out that's right cause and effect simple that's cause and effect so, that's, i mean that's that's power i mean that's that 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 sums up everything that we were talking about about keeping everything in front of you is is you make one decision at a time and then you deal with the effect of that decision and then you make another another decision after that, you know, and, and as long as we keep our lives minimal, right? This is why I try not to talk so much anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's being more in control of my words so that I can say less and they're more powerful. That's right. You see what I'm saying? So with that being said, um, let me just go over a quick little com couple little comments here. Uh, one from... My mother, you need people and employers to give you a chance to prevent recidivism. Everyone deserves a second chance. Uh, father says they didn't even have to get that guy's permission to make a movie of him. No, Dad, what they do is what Ben Affleck did is he took the story and just changed the names. And they yeah. tell you that it's based on a true story. So um, that's that's what he did there. Uh Toe for Marlon. Good show, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Chris, for tuning in. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. And then ending note, we all find out that the older we get, the faster the time goes by. There's no question about that. No question about that. This is why we have to really, really pay attention to our time, because before you know it, you wake up and you realize that we just can't do the things that we once did. So... God bless you, D. Thank you for um, you know, uh, what you do, man, and being here. And 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 God bless you. 
and everybody else, man, I, I pray that everybody stays safe, man, and, and, and be conscious. Think. And, and we want to make sure that we give a shout out to, again, every single time, we want to give a shout out to all of the organizations, grassroots and otherwise, who are contributing to the uplift and fall of humanity, the uh, criminal justice reform. We want to shout out Michigan Liberation, Great Minds Project 5.0, Thomas Freeme uh, podcast, Coming Home Coalition. Uh, we want to shout out uh, Nation Outside in Michigan, uh, Mass Liberation in California. We want to shout out every individual who's doing their part to protect the rights of the people, really protect the rights of the people and the integrity of our neighborhoods and integrity of our people. We want to send a shout out to all of them. And also, I want to I will be remiss if I didn't mention this. We want to send special prayers out to everybody who is studying, sick, ill, family member ill. And for those people in Michigan that I know, hundreds of thousands of people are without power right now. And it's going around trees, dropping on roads. So we want to send a shout out to them and prayer out to them as well. Amen. Prayers and blessings for strength, warmth, and, and understanding. Next week, y'all, make sure to visit www.cominghomecoalition.com. We got new raffle tickets for soccer and all of this stuff coming up. I'll go more into that. Um, the raffle's coming up in a month, so make sure you get you some tickets. Uh, we'll live stream that. I don't know what I'm going to do for, for that. It, it'll probably be a three-hour show put together, see if we can get us a raffle going, bring us a couple guests here and there, Skype some people. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But until then, y'all stay safe, man. We love you. And we out. Peace.